Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to another daily episode of Zero Ducks Given during this Ashes series. And just another dull day in the life of Basball, really. Over 400 runs scored in the day. If you didn't see it, I'm afraid that you missed quite a good day of cricket because England took the two remaining Australian wickets rather quickly and bowled Australia out the 317. And England closed on 384 for four. And the man of the day was the much maligned, admittedly here on this very podcast at times, Mr. Zach Crawley who was stunningly good for his 189. And to be fair to the Australians, as much as I like to don't like to ever compliment them, they did all run up to Zach Crawley and shake his hand as he walked off after quite simply one of the greatest Ashes innings of all times, one of the greatest test innings of all times. It was the second fastest ever at Old Trafford. He's now scored more runs in that innings than David Warner has managed in the entire series. And bizarrely, Zach Crawley, and I don't think anybody would have predicted this before the series started. Zach Crawley is currently the top run scorer in the Ashes quite comfortably. Dan Norcross, it's um, he's the bizarrest player I've ever seen because he's the best batsman I've ever seen who doesn't actually score runs very often. But my God, when it comes off like today, it kind of, it doesn't make any sense that he's not averaging 50 in first-class cricket. Instead, he's averaging a touch below 30, which I just, I can't work him out. But what innings it was, Daniel? He is the best of times. He is the worst of times. In your face, Crawley deniers. In your face, Basball deniers. Today was what it was all about. Today, for the first time in this series, I think Australia truly understood what it was to be Basball. In the first day of the series, there was Basball knocking about, wasn't there? England got 380 or 390 odd and then declared. But I think Australia thought rather smugly, ha-ha, fools, why have you declared? They sort of got away with it. Well, today, they were a rabble. They were a broken, broken group. And they were broken under the cruel wheel of Zach Crawley's uh, combination of tremendous luck and tremendous driving and just tremendous stroke play all round. I mean, he was on track for the fastest double hundred by an Englishman in the Ashes. 
they're fairly rare anyway. It was on course for just the third double hundred by an opener against Australia. The third, the third opener, but the fourth double hundred. You see, a better, podcast, a better podcast would turn up armed with these statistics. Well, I've got Andrew Samson here. He's supposed to tell <laughs> me the exact answers. Uh, it, it was an unbelievable partnership of over 200, he and Root. It was, they went at 7.12 and over in the afternoon session. How insane can you get? And what you watched was Australia falling apart properly for the first time. There were five captains on the field in that session. Pat Cummins going at, for the most of the day at over six and over. He's never gone at over five and over before Basball, and he's been pumped all around the place by England in this series. But today was the apotheosis. Their players looked broken in the field and they had absolutely no answer until, until the pitch started to play some tricks in the last hour. And uh, actually, it was a, a one that kept a little low that got Crawley out. He was very comfortable against Cameron Green. And then he went to Paul again and it just didn't get up as much as the other ones. And this was the harbinger of doom that saw off Joe Root, whose innings of 84 was chanceless, impeccable and beautiful to watch. He got the mully grubber. Then we saw the, the ball popping and balls keeping low. And I thought, if you're Australian, it's a bit of a double-edged sword here. I mean, they might run England out, get England out for a lead of maybe 120, 130 if they go on a roll tomorrow. But what's that going to mean for their batters? What's it going to mean when facing the likes of Wood and Broad on this pitch? So, look, I, throughout this series, Toby, every day has been equivocal. One side has got on top and the other side has come back. England have thrown away winning positions at Lords. They were done for with a great ninth wicket partnership at Edgebaston. Australia have thrown away winning positions at Eddingley, but no side has ever truly controlled the day to quite such a dominant extent as England did today. And it showed because Australia looked utterly devoid of ideas. It was beautiful to watch as an England fan because you're right. It was um, it was one of the worst, as brilliant as England were, it was one of the worst fielding performances and all-round bowling performances I've seen. Now, that came about because of the pressure that the England bats were putting on them. But I, I think Pat Cummins, I think I just watched Pat Cummins have the worst day of test cricket I've ever seen a cricketer have. He... Got out the very first ball of the day, batting. He has bowled. Now, bear in mind that he is, I think, the best fast bowler in the world. But maybe this series is catching up with him a bit. Because he's bowled 16 overs not for 93 today. But also, if you take into account the second innings at Headingley, where he bowled one for 77, Pat Cummins is going around the park at the moment and offering no control whatsoever, which is so unlike him. So he got out the first ball of the day. He's bowled. 16 overs, naught for 93. His captaincy has been very confused and very muddled. He dropped a pretty simple catch off Moeen Ali. And just when I thought, right, his day can't get any worse, he missed the run out to run out our best player, Ben Stokes, at the end of the day as well. I think Pat Cummins might have just had the worst day of mm. test cricket I've ever seen anyone have. And he is well, he... an amazing cricketer, but that is an absolutely shambolic day, isn't it? Well, it is rather, and he, he, I think he missed a chance off Crawley by not actually seeing where the ball had gone at one point. He's, I forgot we, we about that. His day was so shit, yeah. I forgot about that. Well, it's amazing, isn't it? We were discussing it on SEN, actually. Is that the worst day's test cricket that Pat Cummins has ever had? And maybe, you know, when we began this series, we were talking about bowlers needing a uh, chance to rest. If your captain is your premier fast bowler, 
then the schedule's catching up with them. And also don't forget that Australia, this is their fifth test because they had the World Test Championship. And that was a big old game for them against India, which they won to cement themselves as the best side in the world. But it's going to take its toll. And furthermore, what takes its toll is the wonderful pantomime nonsense that took place at Lords, which suddenly cast three of the nicest, most gentle men imaginable, Alex Gary, Cameron Green, and Pat Cummins himself, as genuine villains. We were no longer looking at David Warner for villainy. We're looking at three of the nicest men in the world. Now, they're probably not used to this sort of thing. It's probably getting to them, the, the heat of battle. And I think also there's a degree to which sages all around us have been very sceptical about England and basketball. And there was a, a lot of patronising talk going around before the series began that, you know, England could talk the talk, but can they walk the walk? Well, they, they certainly have walked the walk. They bowled out Australia twice at Lords. They took 18 wickets at Edgebaston and should have won the game. They bowled about twice at Eddingley. They've taken more wickets. They've scored more runs. So they're going more than toe-to-toe. Now, Australia could yet still get out of this game. And if they do, they will have won the Ashes or they will have retained the Ashes at any rate. But on the days when you're out there, it's suddenly that self-belief that you came in with and to a degree that kind of, well, England are going to get themselves out. And that's the approach Australia have taken throughout the series, actually. Not really trying to bowl England out, but waiting for them to get themselves out with various plans. When England don't get themselves out, you suddenly look like you're going nowhere. And that's what happened today, because you know, throughout this series, we think about that really important moment when Nathan Lyon walked off and Australia looked in big trouble then. Well, England handed the game to them in a, on a plate, didn't they? Lost those three quick wickets, threw away the advantage. And today, Australia looked like they were waiting for England to do the same thing, and it never quite happened. With a bit of good fortune, Zach Crawley's innings, he rode his luck. But in between times, he played so well. So, you know, England openers of the past, if they faced 183 balls, would be lucky to have got 90 runs. Zach Crawley got 189 runs. And that's really the measure of basketball. The dot ball percentage for England until the last 25 minutes was 50%. That's the dot ball percentage you expect in a 50-over game. Not a test match. Scoring a run off every other ball. That is ridiculous cricket at a test match. So the average, I think, is 75% dot ball percentage in test cricket. And uh, and that was what we really saw today. It was the day that basketball fans were waiting to have happen. And so obviously they're going to crow. What I would say, though, is, you know, we're English, Toby. We know how these things can blow up. And... I would expect a refreshed Australia, albeit with an older ball, but on a pitch that's doing a little bit, they pick up a couple of wickets, then they bat sensibly. Kawaj has been very difficult to get rid of in this series. They can get their way back into this game, certainly, but for the first time in the series, there's one side that's a long, long way ahead in the game. There's so many unanswered questions, are you right? Because England lead by 67, but the way this series has gone, you can imagine England walking out there tomorrow suddenly the ball's doing a bit or Australia got their tail up. And before you know, they get skittled and they only have a lead of 90 because that's how mental this series has been. I don't think that will happen. But the question is, assuming everything goes hunky-dory in the morning, I don't think anyone can quite predict what Ben Stokes is planning. I think trying to predict what Ben Stokes is going to do is like trying to predict an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like, there's no way the first (laughs) time, there's no way you could ever know what's going to happen. But the weather is obviously this sort of quite literal dark cloud hanging over this test match. The weekend looks pretty ropey. England know that they have to win it as well. So, I mean, 
And the other thing is, Joe Root got out to a ball that kept really low, really low. There has been a bit of uneven bounce. And I couldn't work out, Daniel, was that ball that got Joe Root out good or bad news for England? Because England have to bat last on this, but also England need a result. So I couldn't quite work out Ooh. my emotions when Joe Root got well, bowled. Do they have to bat last? That's the question. It depends how much the wicket deteriorates tomorrow, doesn't it? Uh, Stokes found it really difficult, along with Harry Brook. They're both incredibly explosive batters. They were very frustrated in that last hour or so because they could hardly lay batting. They could hardly time it. They could well, play it, but they couldn't time it. And this was a soft old ball. Now, if the ball's playing tricks when it's a new ball, if England do get themselves a lead of 140, 150, then Australia might struggle to get much more than 230, 240 in response, in which case, you know, they would have to bat the fourth innings to get that, but it wouldn't be a large target. I'm pretty sure we know what Stokes is going to do. He's going to hope to go hard and probably take the declaration out of it by just flinging that in lunatic fashion and losing six wickets, hoping that they can accrue 100 odd runs as quickly as they can in that process, get a lead of around 170. And in that, the rest of that day, see if they can bowl Australia out and then take the weather out of the equation. One thing I would say, though, is that Australia played either very cleverly or outrageously today in making their over rate even more moribund and torpid than usual. There were seven, eight overs left out there. And whenever England got in the roll, Cummins slowed the game down, had long chats. Um, Labashane came on to bowl the last over of the day and they wait, waited two minutes before he bowled the first ball just to be on the safe side. So what that tells you is that Australia are running scared here. They're running scared of what England are doing to them. But that doesn't mean that they won't get out of it alive. Your question's a decent one, which is, do England need to worry about the fourth innings? They really need to worry about the fourth innings if they don't get enough runs in their first innings. And they ought to, but in their keenness to get on with it and to get Australia in, possibly even before lunch tomorrow, because Stokes, whatever you say, will be looking at that forecast. I can see already the bags here are being put all over the uh, the microphones because we're expecting a few showers. The clouds are starting to build here already. That um, he he knows he's got to gain as much time for his team as he can to bowl Australia out, and it's not a quick pitch. It may be going up and down, but it's nothing like Headingley. So blasting through a side is not going to be an easy thing to do. But at least I'll tell you this: at least his bowlers have basically had the day off. And that hasn't happened very often under Basball. They, they bowled, what, seven overs this morning? That's it. They've had all day off. They'll have this evening off. And they won't be bowling until at least midway through the first session tomorrow. So that'll keep them pretty fresh. Yeah, well, it's all very good for England. And hopefully the weather stays away. Because if Australia get out of this, I mean, I said it yesterday, it's the most soft-cock negative lineup they could have picked. They filled the team with batsmen. They saw the weather forecast. They're playing for a draw. And it's come back to bite them in the arse. They've got no spinner and they're looking very stupid. Mitchell Stark's falling apart. It's wonderful. Pat Cummings is bowling a load of dross. I'm very happy about the whole thing. Go and say um, that to Josh Hazelwood. I'd enjoy that conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, look, I mean I'm, I'm very arrogant behind this microphone in my comfy <laughs> flat in Clapham. If they're actually there, I'd think you melt and shake their hand and tell them how brilliant they are. But that's... You yeah, know, they're autographs and a bunch of selfies, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Buy them a drink. Uh, right, well, in, uh, enjoy the rest of your night. And uh, I can't I can't join you tomorrow because I'm at the Red Hot Chili Peppers gig. So uh, you'll, have oh, to grab, you'll have to grab somebody. 
And of course, we don't we don't have Stephen Finn, do we? Because the uh, the Zero Ducks Given podcast with Toby Tarrant, Daniel Norcross, and Stephen Finn uh, seldom mm. has him on. No, but but um, final word podcast have got him for a live event, but no, we can't well, even get nice him for ten minutes on Zoom. So yeah, it's nice. Yeah, Lazy that's just, bastard. That sums up the bastard, doesn't it? Right, we'll see you. Yeah. See you. We'll see you soon. All the best. All righty. Cheers, honey. Bye bye. <laughs>